Welcome back to the Gavel and the Gavel. It's the new year. Welcome to the new year. Uh, congratulations to everybody who got through the festive season. And we're back at it. Uh, we're starting the year with the best of. If you could come back to us, let us know via Instagram, via the gavel and the gabble at gmail.com. Let us know uh, who you want us to interview this year. We like to interview everybody, everybody who's involved in the industry, on the periphery of the auction industry, the antiques industry, everybody. We've interviewed them all. And there are so many more to interview. Coming up in this episode, I've got uh, Angus Ashworth. I mean, Simon and I really struggle with this because the man's done it all. He's he's been involved in local politics. He's served his country in the army. He's got a fantastic auction house. He's on TV. Uh, it do, it just seems to be that when he wants to turn himself to something, he just gets on with it and it happens. Follow him on Instagram because you'll see all the charity auctions he does. He's really good at that. Michael Baggett, friend of the pod. We've had several episodes with him and he's great fun, hugely amusing. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel about silver. So please do follow that and listen to that. You will learn something every time you watch one of his videos. He has done some amazing work uh, on the Ivory Act, which we bang on, on on about all the time. But when we're not talking about that, he's a really funny guy. And, uh, 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 you know, he had the measure of Simon and I. Uh, I think in this episode, this last greatest hits for a while, there's a bit of rambling from Simon and myself. And the team will be back together now that the festive break is over. There's lots of fun to be had this year with the gavel and the gavel. So here you go. Best of. It's Angus Ashworth of Rydell Auctions and, of course, the Yorkshire Auction House and like a billion and one other things that he does and has got up to in his life. Angus, thanks for joining us. Nice to see you. Angus, it's great to get you on the podcast, Uh, if only because... You have made us auctioneers cool. You with the auction auction house and the throwing of the gavel and that TV program, <laughs> you've made us all cool. So thank you for that. That's absolutely brilliant. Oh, well, that's all right. Yeah, I, I, I always sort of used to. Throw, I get quite excited when I'm on the rostrum. You know, you know what it's like. You get an adrenaline rush. Sales going well, and you know, I, I don't know. I just it wasn't a TV thing. I sort of used to shut the gavel on. Of course, when they started recording, they just latched onto that like. Oh. Uh, <laughs> boom and then it, it you know it's become a bit of a trademark it's so, a trademark uh, isn't it it's your signature yeah and I, I, I have dropped it you know <laughs> oh thank god <laughs> yeah because yeah. simon's simon's thanking you angus i'm really cack-handed so i'm not a massive fan of this because i tried it and dropped it all over the shop so i've given up <laughs> yeah. now angus um for our listeners out there can you tell us uh we all know about the yorkshire auction house all love that show mm. brilliant show brilliant fly on the wall for uh what we do as auctioneers and auction houses up and down the country but tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the auction trade yeah sure so i've, I've always been around it you know um family are into antiques you know mom's side of the family were, were, were sort of in the trade and i used to go to sales as a young lad you know sort of 12 13 years old i used to go to auctions was into military all came from sort of reading sharp and, uh, and that sort of thing and uh uh, good Yorkshireman, Sean Bean. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he used to go to sales and started collecting powder flasks and did work experience from school, uh, at sale room. They offered me a job, so week after my 16th birthday, I left school, left home, uh, moved into a bed set at Scarborough, and I became an auctioneer at 16. I was on the rostrum selling. Um, 
I don't know, maybe the youngest auctioneer around at that time, wow. but um, started off selling uh, fridges and freezers, which wasn't the most exciting, but it was a start and did everything with it within the business. I was there four years and loved the job. It, it was time to, to move on. So went to the family business, which is engineering, deep sea fishing equipment, uh, but still did freelance work, a uh, bit of you know consultancy on, on a military side and that sort of thing. Was in the reserve forces as well, territorial army it was uh, back then, reserve forces, infantry. Uh, so I got called up uh, for Iraq in 04, 05, and then volunteered for Afghanistan in 2008 to 2009. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, you went to Iraq and then volunteered. So you stayed yeah. in and volunteered to go to Afghanistan. What regiment yeah, so were you with? Well, it was originally Greenhouse and it became Yorkshire regiments um, right. yeah, yeah. when I was in Iraq. So in Iraq, I was attached to the, the parachute regiment. I was a machine gunner. Um, and that was very early days of the, the TA getting mobilised. So literally an envelope came through my letterbox. You've got 28 days to report for duty. You've been mobilised. Um, and you go out there for six months. You're away for a year in total. And then they, they changed how they did mobilisation going forward. So when Afghanistan was on, uh, they did what they called intelligent mobilization. So they would come to our unit, which was 4th Battalion Yorkshire Regiment, and say, we need a platoon of lads. And then they would ask us for volunteers to fill those roles before they sent the letters out. Um, so that, you know, you've got people that it might be the right time in their life or whatever. You've just had a baby, you might not want to get mobilized. Um, so that worked better, I think for people in general so i volunteered uh for afghanistan and came back from that and this was always my passion and you know although i was working in dad's business he knew this was my passion and we saw a site in kirby moorside he used to be an old mill tanker depot and i thought that'd make a good sale room and so signed a lease and december the 4th 2010 was my first sale so i've been going 12 years and it's just grown grown from there really that's fantastic that's in, and harry that's interesting because that is almost identically the same time we start, Harry and I started Windsor auctions. Yeah, but Simon, just qualify that without the very brave military service in that story. <laughs> I've got to say. <laughs> which is why I was, which is why I sort of led Angus that way. Because I was thinking, I've done a bit of research. I think we almost set up within a month of each other. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we were both... You know, no. pardon the expression, Do mucking about in the corporate world prior yeah, to that. Yeah, so we exactly. just <laughs> none of that. There was, there was, a, yeah, that's where the similarity completely yeah. ended. Absolutely, none but of the bravery, all of the auction house bit. And somehow yeah. you managed to throw in this TV gig as well. How on earth does that work? So I've done various bits of, of telly before, you know, where Ross Kemp joins in Afghanistan. Uh, I've done a little bit of um, posh pawnbrokers, like it was an advisor on there, but not, not. Nothing sort of, you know, proper sort of paid work. Although I, I was in the King's Speech. Um, if you blink, you'd miss me, but I am in the King's Speech, uh, the movie. But no, the, did, the first Sorry, thing, sorry. How did you manage that? Uh, well, they, they needed soldiers to play. Um, see, I, it, have you seen the film? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When he walks out to the stadium and he sort of chokes on his, his first speech, yeah. I'm one of the soldiers in front of him. Yeah, oh, they actually looked for soldiers to be soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was an extra <laughs> role, yeah. but yeah, um, I was yeah, playing the, the role I of love soldier. That. Yeah, so I'd done little bits and bobs, nothing, you know, just just bits, you know, asked to do stuff. And then got the phone call from STV about road trip, antiques road trip, and asked if I would audition for that. I, I quite like the phrase, as I'm a bit older now, they said, oh, you know, we're looking for some new younger talents. So I said, oh, that sounds quite good. <laughs> I thought they want to come to the sale room, you know, film the road trip here, but no, they, they wanted, you know, a few new people on the programme. So I had to audition for that. 
did a video on my phone. They invited me up to, to Glasgow to film a mock episode. And yeah, I got the gig on there, which was great. And road trip's brilliant. It is basically you get paid to drive around in a classic car and buy antiques with somebody else's money. I mean, what, what is the nonsense? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, you're paired up with somebody else, similar interest, and it's great fun. So I, I that's where it all really started. I, I did three done three of the ordinary road trips, art, they call it, antiques road trip, and then the celebrity ones, cart. Uh, I've done several of those. And uh, so, that, you know, that's where it all started. And STV, that made, that got approached by Discovery for this new auction program and of course if you put yorkshire in front of anything it sells uh, sorry <laughs> um, but, here we go uh, um any so, minute yeah, now it's going to be god's country simon wait for it any oh, minute now it is you know <laughs> all of britain's lovely but yeah um and you know I, i'd always been known as the the sort of the yorkshireman on on road trip and everything else so it all fitted the bill really and we we got commissioned for our first series uh, in 2020 10 episodes. We started filming in March. We did two weeks and then the world went a bit crazy. Uh, so that, that was interesting trying to film it because in TV world, they don't like, they don't like things to be dated so they can repeat it to death. I mean, we, we all know everything gets repeated. So we had to be within inside the law of restrictions, but make it look like COVID didn't exist because Nice. They thought it'd just be That's easy. Um, so that that was a really complicated year. Uh, first episode, you see us shaking hands with the contributors, and then the next episode, we're, we're fifty meters apart, you know, on loud hailers. But um, it worked, and it, we got the first series done, and that 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 went out, and it did really well. It became the channel's highest rated program in eight years, I think it is. So we got commissioned again, this time for five celebrity episodes and twenty ordinary. Uh, so that went really well. And then we're halfway through the current deal, which there's five slab episodes went out before Christmas. Uh, the first batch of 10 are on at the moment. I think we're up to episode four. There'll be another 10 that we've already made that will go out, I think, September time. And I start back in two, three weeks' time filming the next run of 25, five celebrity and 20 ordinary. So we've made 60 to date. At the end of this next run, we would have made 85 episodes of wow. uh, Yorkshire Auction House. So a few years ago, we did uh, a fantastic collection for, it was all World War One artifacts, um, mortar, you know, shell casings, all sorts of amazing. I mean, hundreds of grenades. I mean, I did bombs in the army so i knew it was safe and anyway it was all on view i mean there's some really rare stuff people traveled the country for this collection it, you know museums were interested in really good stuff anyway sale was on saturday friday morning i live next door to the salary police officer knocks on the door uh we've got to evacuate the premises sorry there's a bomb for sale at the salary i said no, no, there isn't you know no no we've got to vacuate anyway Go around the corner, and there was another police officer there who I went to school with. I thought, hello, Holly, are you all right? Yeah, she goes, yeah, yeah. I know you're in the military and stuff, but we've had this report that you've got a bomb, and, you know, we've had to evacuate. Well, they evacuated the whole area. Businesses, they closed the road, you know, they thought there was this bomb. Oh, I, took, I took this police sergeant inside. He had a heart attack, so that, you know, there's 400 grenades or what have you, all inert, you know. And um, I said, well, what's the item in question? Oh, it's this Stokes mortar bomb. I said, okay, but this one here, oh, don't touch it, don't touch it. I said, it's fine. Unscrewed it. Look, it's empty. It's just a tube of metal. Absolutely fine. Ah, oh, well, we've been told uh, if it has a red band around it, it means highly explosive. And I said, yeah, but there's no explosives in it. it it's fine. 
Right. Well, we best get bomb squad in to check it all. So, you know, all the houses, you know, this was great for my uh, re-election campaign. Uh, <laughs> um, the road's closed. Uh, they're evacuating everybody. And to make matters worse, th this was at the same time, you you'll have remembered the, the fracking protests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're in Kirby Moorside. The fracking site is about 10 minutes away, a place called Kirby Misperton. So some traveling protesters thought the police closed the road because we were the fracking site. So we had a demonstration going on outside as well. Um, I couldn't make it up. I, I was pulling my hair out. <laughs> and um, so we had to wait for the, the army to come, bomb disposal. Uh, they said, well, it's all fine, even if it is live. You can collapse the cord and, you know, nothing's going to go back. And they had to x-ray 8,000 items. It was fine. Uh, we didn't have any bombs for sale, believe it or not. Um, and I thought that was it done. You know, nightmare. All these people have turned up. You know, what's going on? And uh, I said, well, can we can we get on with business now? And the police officer goes, oh, where did you get all these items from? I said, well, this is my vendor. It's his collection. There's nothing problem with it you know this stuff gets dug out of the ground in france all the time the plows go through and you know he collected it all in the 70s and 80s we've taken it from his house that you know it's completely legit no problem he might be an international arms dealer <laughs> i said no 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 he's not he, he's not well he could be a grave robber uh because obviously in 2001 they changed the laws on removing artifacts from historical sites so but i mean this was all pre then so they said this is now a major crime investigation <laughs> and they drafted in a special unit um and we had about 20 police officers here evidence tagging the whole lot um i mean i was having kittens at this point i said you've got this completely wrong no 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 this is serious uh i think there's one officer to cover the whole of north yorkshire we had it was the place was covered in police uh photographing every item they did some great photographs by the way I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh evidence tagging receiving every item and um my poor vendor, his house was stormed by armed police and he was taken into custody. He spent the night in the, in the clink. They were there for two days. Um, and I said, well, can you take it away then and can we get on with, with business? Yeah, we, we haven't got anywhere big enough to store all this evidence, so we're commandeering your building. You're allowed what? in. We'll let you into your office if you need to do some work with a police escort. So this went on. This was all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Um, and I said, like, what am I going to do? You know, like, Monday morning, um, I get a phone call. There's no police. I went into work. No police officer. Ooh, tamper with evidence. Uh, not, no, obviously, I didn't do that. <laughs> I get a phone call off an inspector uh, who sounded younger than my son, actually, um, <laughs> and said, oh, we've, we've slightly overreacted. There'll be an officer around to take the evidence tags off, carry on as normal. So That's uh, all you got? <laughs> that was it? Yeah, yes. So I've slightly overreacted. Went, like, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, uh, brilliant. Th th there's one of my sort of fail-safe no. stories that I bring out at talks. Yeah, you have sent me a list of lot numbers and when i looked at these lot numbers i wondered what they all had in common basically what they have in common is that i got the prices wrong that's what ties well, no. these lots together not at all this is <laughs> these are merely examples of how auctions are thriving in this current climate when we as auctioneers you as the auctioneer bring to the market exceptional rare quality pieces and 
it also does go to highlight that in this current market where good quality items are absolutely having a heyday, uh, having their heyday at auction, that it doesn't matter to hoots what you or I think it's estimated at. The market will decide. And quite frankly, at the moment, the market is deciding very, very favorably towards interesting, rare, good quality pieces. Would you not agree? I would agree. So um, just leaping in with that, Lot 601 was the diamond that we discussed a couple of oh, uh, yes. auctions ago, which is a four-carat um, four diamond. This attracted a lot of uh, interest. Um, I think we may have talked about it before, but it was uh, estimated at four to 6,000. And it was fought out between a lovely lady in the room with the assistance of one of our team because she was nervous at bidding and hadn't done auctions before. So a member of our team helped her out. Yeah, she went in big for her first auction, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, she went charging in big. And then two bidders, both from Antwerp, it turned out. Right then, lot number 601 is a diamond ring. Approximately 4.2 carats, LM colour, etc. You, you, great, lovely. Start the bidding at £6,000 I'm after. 6,000 we bid, 6-1 we need. Emma, 6-1. Okay, back of six, the room, 6-1. Six, we have at the back. 6-2. Six, 6-2 two. Six, two there, 6-4, six, 6-5, six, 6-6, six, 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 uh, six nine. Thank you. Seven thousand one hundred. Seven two at the back. Seven three. Seven three. Seven four. Seven five at the back. Right. Bear with me. Seven six there. Seven eight. Seven nine. Eight thousand. Eight two. It would need to be Sarah. Eight two. Eight two. Eight four. It would need to be sir. Eight four. Eight six. Eight eight. 9,000. I'm not ignoring you, sir. 9,000. 9,000 in the middle. 9,000. 9,500 it would need to be. 10,000. 10,500 at the back. 11,000. 11 and a half. 12,000 at the back. Sir? No, he's ignoring me. It needs to be 12,000. 13. 12 and a half. We're at £12,000. Sarah, are you back on? Have you finished bidding for your lady who wants to throw bricks at me? £12,000. I ha yeah, She does. Thank you for nodding. Lovely. £12,000, the threat. £12,000. It's on Emma's phone at 12000 Fair warning to you all. So estimated at four to six, sold for? £12,000. Absolutely. £12,000. What a superb result. Do you put that purely down to your brilliance or? No, I put that down to it being an incredibly quality item and it was hotly contested and there were six or seven bidders in up to 10,000, weren't there? So um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty good. My biggest. Come and get me estimate. Come and get me or not knowing what I was talking about. So lot 536 was a char green and white metal box. Oh, now, okay. Right, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're beating yourself up yeah. a little bit because I look at the catalogue beforehand. I'm not suggesting that I know any more than you, but I looked at it. Quite frankly, that did not stand out to me in any way, shape or form. It really, truly didn't. Um, it did not leap off of the catalogue for me. Obviously, that was something special and particularly rare. Yeah, interestingly, it was in a box to be thrown out. 
in the really? house that I visited. And I fished it out and said, do you mind if I, I'm going to put that into the sale? I've just got to feel that it's it's got value in it. Let's not, you know, don't, let's not chuck it away. Describe it for our listener, Harry. It's literally, it's five centimetres tall. It's uh, nine centimetres in diameter. And it is, looks like a pillbox. It's made of yeah. green, so shark skin. And then it's got white metal banding and across across the top with a little flower. A little flower, yeah. It very unusually, on this occasion, usually, Simon, as we've talked about before, when somebody buys something and they've paid for it and they've got it in their possession, if you ask them to shed a bit of light on it, they'll, you know. Yeah. Because um, it's then they've, you know, in their opinion, they've now sort of won the battle of the auctioneer versus the buyer. But this particular individual would not share any information on it at all. Really? Even when asked very nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very peculiar. So are we literally none the wiser? No, none the wiser. Um, But somebody will tell us all about it. Lot number 536, a chagrin and white metal box with rose decoration to top. And I'd like £100 for this one. £100 I have at the back of the room. 110, 120, 140, 50, 60, 70, 80, 190, 220. Are you on this, 30, Sarah? 40, okay, gotcha. 50, 60, 270, 80, 90, 320, 40, 60, 80. We're looking 420 now. 420, looking for 440. Don't look at the estimate, madam. It embarrasses 460. the auctioneer. At 460, 460, 480, 500, looking for 550, looking for 550, 550, 600, 600, looking for 650, 650, 700, at 700 pounds, looking for 750, 750's bid, 800 we're looking for, at 750 pounds, looking for 800. Are you out, Sarah? Thank you. Sarah, 800 we need, back of the room at 800. Commissions are out online. We're currently with you at the back of the room at eight hundred pounds, eight fifty, nine hundred. Thank you, sir. At eight hundred and fifty online, looking for nine hundred elsewhere. Final few seconds at eight hundred and fifty, and selling that way. Fair warn. For those of you who haven't been to an auction before, one, I'll be appearing on the wall of shame in the ATG next week, and two, that was called a come and get me valuation. How lovely. <sighs> Simon's got three hours driving back to Devon this afternoon, two and a half hours of which will be on the phone to me taking the mickey. Um, but that we estimated at 30 to 50, and yes, that sold for 30 eight, to 50. 850 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't good. That's not a good day. One that I enjoyed, a particular lot that I enjoyed, was literally four lots in. And so I'm trying to give you a bit of a respite for a second, Harry. <laughs> a little bit of respite. So you had a lot of good silver uh, in the sale. Mm. And yeah. are silver buyers... Second consignment this month. Really? Fantastic. Well, let's see if the same thing happens this month. Because our silver buyers got a little bit pithy with each other, didn't they? Uh, yes, it could be said that we had a room full of regulars and a few new faces, which was nice, in the room. And then we had quite a lot of bidders online. And so lot 504... Nothing to do with value or price or whatever, but a, a a fiercely contested lot. And I think, bear in mind, we're only four lots in. Um, and I think we had to comment about how much tension there was in the room 
over these lots because the bidding was so fierce. And it was quite it was quite exciting, wasn't it? It was quite exciting. But I mean as an auctioneer that well, we're lucky because we auctioneer sat next to each other. And yeah. uh, which is our which is our USP. So it's quite nice to have somebody to bounce off on the day um, because just we're simultaneously talking like we do on the podcast. And um, but we both looked at each other and we've sat next to each other for 20 years, for God's sake. So we looked at each other and went, oh, this doesn't look good <laughs> as people were getting quite <laughs> cross get- with one another. <laughs> that tank of us, you know, I want 200 pounds sold for 350 outside, I would suggest of the current norms for an item of that nature but mm. the price achieved was purely down to that well you're not having it well i'm having it you're not having it well i'm exactly having it exactly i am not losing out to that in- individual over there as you will hear because i think david's going to cut that bit in for us and we may have made a little comment at the end of it uh listen to, listen to what david cuts in uh, lot number 504, Georgian Silver Tankers, Hallmark for London. Start the bidding. I'm looking for £250. £250, any interest? At- 260 online, 270 online, 280 we need, 280 at the back of the room, 290, 320, 340. Commissions are out online. We're with you, sir, at the back of the room at 340 currently. Commissions are out online. 340 I have, and I'm looking for 360. 340 I have, looking for 360. Fair warning. Uh, 505 is a sterling silver sugar bowl by Shreve Crump and Low Company. Start the bidding at £40. £40, any interest at £40? £40, 25 25 at the back. Yep, 25 I have it. I'm looking for 28 30 seated in the middle. 32 at the back. 32 on the side, I've not. 35 at the back. 38. 40 here. 42. 45. Yeah. 48. 50. Yes. 55. 60, 65, 65, 65 seated. No, it's 60 to my left. 60 pounds I have, fair warning. A bit of scrap in the car park. <laughs> 506. That was great, wasn't it? I mean, four lots in and we had a heated, fierce, competitive room. It was fantastic, wasn't it? Uh, it was it, it was a good day. But we, in this current, coming auction, and we don't usually talk about individual lots in there coming up, but in this coming auction, I have a pair of Georgian candlesticks. That was a Georgian tankard from the same house. And um, these are George II. And they, I think they've got an estimate of about three to four thousand pounds on them and already there is a degree of yeah so i think this is going out this episode will be bound to go out after the auction so i feel comfortable saying there's a degree (laughs) of um of that going on already with uh, Mm. people phoning up saying i'd like to see them outside of viewing because i don't want people to see i'm seeing them and oh all right okay whatever yeah oh yeah it's all very cloak and dagger very cloak and dagger yeah yeah yeah. what about lot 581 harry 581 was the jade ring now that was a bit of a cracker right again now there were two of these there were sorry there were three of these rings there was a jade a ruby and uh a a blue a nondescript blue stone yes uh, which we sadly didn't have time to have tested these were thrown in a box in a house. Um, and we, you and I had a conversation yesterday about where you find things. Well, I found these in a box in a house that was on its way out the door. Yeah, so that jade ring, and I think the ruby made similar money, but the jade ring was two to 400 and it sold for... 
Lot number 581, Jade Ring with two stone diamond shoulders uh, on a platinum setting. £500 to get it going. 500 with bid. 550 we're looking for. Out. 550 on Will's phone, 600. Six. It's going to have to be 700, Will, on your phone. 700. Out. 700, please, Sarah. 700 on Sarah's phone, 750 behind. 800 on your phone, Sarah. 850 behind. We call it. Yeah. 900, Sarah, on your phone. 950 behind. 1,000 on your phone, Sarah. 1,100 behind. 12, Sarah. 13 behind. 14, Sarah. 15, 16, Sarah. 17 behind. 18, Sarah. 19 behind. 2,000, Sarah. So it's 19 at the back of the room. Yeah. You're gone. You, that's yeah, definitely, that's gone. definitely gone. 19 at the back of the room. And we're selling that way. Fair warning. Gotcha. 1,900 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It was a cracking day, wasn't it? I have to say the customer's over the moon. He is TV star. Uh, he's worked at all the great auction houses. He's a member of the Spoon Club of Great Britain. He is a YouTuber. He has probably one of the best Twitter feeds in the business. It's Michael Baggett. Welcome to you, Michael. How are you, mate? Welcome, Harry. Welcome, son. It's, lo it's lovely to be asked after, you know, although there's a lot of pressure because I always listen to the podcast and, you know, I'm following Laidlaw. I'm following, I mean, the last one was Angus. Military service, mayoral duty, the bomb squad. <laughs> I was listening to that and I thought, you know, this is going to be like, a, this is after an adventure, this is like a quiet rest on a park bench. <laughs> somebody gives you a drink. You know, yes. this is, you've had the exciting ones, now get the pensioner in. But we'll give it a bash. But, you know, I, I've never served and I've never blown anything up. Well, not intentionally. <laughs> Now, Michael, I'm going to say one thing to you, uh, which will get you back on track and boost your ego. Recently, Antiques Road Trip, and I'm not trying to um, get you going on your Twitter feed here. They did a poll as to the people and the pairings they would most like to see back on a new series of Antiques and Road Trip. And it's you and Laidlaw they want back. Oh, Now, look, if I was ever tempted to do it, I would do it with Paul. But there's more chance of getting me on that than there is of having a nice, cool glass of Coca-Cola in hell. Um, I mean, years ago, when it all started, years ago, um, a couple of people asked to do it with me. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I've got no, no objections whatsoever because I was, I was younger and fitter then. And the idea of traipsing around antique centres didn't appall me. Um, but I think for some some peculiar reason they decided against and i did ask them once i said you know have i have i upset have i upset anybody in scotland have i been unkind about tartan at any point but no <laughs> um there's a there's a great sadly there is a great schism it's like the reformation there is a great schism between myself and some grandees at the bbc so um, it's unlikely. It's very kind that people have thought of me, but very unlikely. I was aware of the schism that you've referred to, as in you talk about it occasionally. Or it I, I, I do. Only when I've been drinking heavily and it's late <laughs> at night. And, and I'm exhausted from weeping. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's strictly true, Michael. I don't uh, think no, it is. It isn't strictly true. It isn't strictly true, Harry. For our listener out there, we all know you as uh, one of the greats of the the auction industry. Your knowledge is unsurpassed in your field. But for some of our listeners who may not know quite as much about you, Michael, could you give us a little bit of a potted history as to the Michael Baggett story? How did you get started in this trade? Um, how did it all kick off for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, look, keep it brief, keep it brief. Um, I went to Stoke-on-Trent Garden Festival when I was a child, and uh, obviously that didn't enthrall me too much. And I wandered about and I found a stand of, I don't know why she was there, one dealer selling antique silver at the Stoke-on-Trent Garden Festival. She was out of her mind. And by the time I'd finished, I was out of mind because I'd, I'd been attracted to all this stuff. Um, there's no antiques in my family. My, my dad's a boxer, was a boxer. So at least no one's ever owed me money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, and my mum used to be a hairdresser. So, I mean, that was it. So, um, but I, I, I got bitten by the bug. You all know this. Once you start with this business, there's no escape. And what is it specifically, Michael, about silver that captivates you so much? What was it that got you hooked and still has you hooked today? It, it was that first. It was that first stand being silver. And uh, I mean, I think the thing is, if you've not grown up around antiques, the idea that people will make something out of solid silver is quite remarkable. You know, we did we didn't have anything in solid silver in our house. So to have a knife, I think I saw a Georgian table knife, and it was just extraordinary and i've you know i've done that thing that everybody does which i started with something i loved but then i've gone off in different directions and i've thought oh i'll do furniture for a bit or i'll do chinese ceramics or i'll do jewelry i'll do this but i've always come back to the silver and one really old dealer that i knew as a kid for years and years and years who'd done it all and seen it all uh, the one piece of advice, well, he gave me lots of pieces of advice, I suppose, but he did say to me, I've seen cleverer people than you. See, he was a kindly old man, wasn't he? I've seen <laughs> cleverer people than you go bad ways trying to do everything. And that's quite true. And, yeah. you know, I just, I decided very early on I would have nothing to do with pictures. As, a, as an early appearance on Going for a Song proved when I valued a painting um that was uh early 18th century interior of seated gentlemen and you know game show thing and uh i said oh that's about 15 grand and it turned out to be the most expensive thing ever featured on the program and worth three quarters of a million pounds <laughs> so but i did say i did say to you know whichever celebrity i was on with that well i don't do paintings you know so you really you should you know really you should have said something at that point because i really haven't got a clue but it's too big. It's too big. If you try and do everything, it is spreading a little bit of butter over 15 pieces of toast and you achieve nothing. But your real buttered toast is silver, isn't it? That is where that is where you absolutely excel. Yeah. I mean, there would be a lot of silver dealers watching this. Well, two of them. And they'll be going, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. We hate him. <laughs> he doesn't know nothing. No. I mean, that that's the thing that I've concentrated on. And I was very... I was very fortunate to be scared into writing a book 13 years ago because I went and I've got an interest in provincial assay offices. You all always have to have your little, your little niche. 
And I got interested with York because it was the one thing that people didn't seem to bother with. And I went and I um, copied the assay office ledger, which is the only existing record for that assay office. And I'm, I, the trouble is, and I'll be honest with you too, I'm a bit of a lazy bugger. And I'd, 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 I'd gone up and I'd taken all the photos of it and I loaded them onto the computer. And I wasn't doing very much with them for a couple of months. And then the librarian said, oh, we've had an inquiry from someone who'd like to come up and copy the ledger and just wondered how you were getting on. And I thought, oh, my God, there's competition. <laughs> so I steamed ahead. It took me six months, but I steamed ahead and I published this book and I'm a bit amazed I did it now. I mean, it's not perfect. There are there's the odd spelling mistake, and the odd um, the odd typographical error, but uh, all corrected in the correction and uh, erratum that comes with it. Um, but that was worthwhile doing. And you know, you do something like that, and you feel well, I have achieved something. Um, so that's. But, but Michael, you 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 talk like you you put yourself down a little bit there. He does. Your, yeah. your I don't think you should. Your YouTube videos are outstanding. I know it's a new thing to you, but if you're in the industry, we were chatting on the rostrum. We did a sale in Devon. What last week was it, Simon? Yeah. And we were talking about you to the room uh, in our silver section. That cleared and it. And we were saying, <laughs> and we were saying. You've got no, no, no. Trust me, we do that on our own. <laughs> uh, after after two hundred lots, they've all gone, haven't they? Something. And we were talking about your YouTube videos, and there were people in the front row who were watching them. Oh wow! Who had watched them and were going because because people had said Michael started doing this. You want, and they were going. It's fifteen minutes of education because you speak with real passion about it. Well, the the, the thing the thing I've always um, I've always said this to television producers who. Have never listened to me, uh, and you know they produce successful programs that millions of people watch. So why should they? But I've always said to them, it's never about us. It's never about us. It's it's always about the object. And they like a story, and the, you know they like the repair shop thing where it isn't so much about what the object is. Um, it's more about someone sobbing uncontrollably in the corner, even if you know the director's got a pin on a stick that you can't see out of camera, <laughs> just jabbing them, jabbing them till they start crying. Cry, you miserable wretch, cry! <laughs> um, but I think it's all object-based. And even when we started Flog It early on, I said, it's not about us. And, you know, I never liked the question, what are you going to do with the money? You know, I wish somebody, no one ever said it, I wish someone had said on camera, it's none of your bloody business, is it? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been fabulous. Um, uh, but it, it's all about the history. And actually, the viewing public that watch these programs avidly and consume them, they are learning all the time. So what yeah. you could get away with yeah. in 2002 by saying, this is by William Moorcroft and it's tube lined and it was made in 1905. You can't do that anymore because the people watching it, you know, they're doing the ironing. You go, that's William Moorcroft. That's tube line, that is. What pattern is it? Is it Moonlight Blue or Claremont? Oh, I think it's Moonlight Blue. And, of course, if the person doing it doesn't get it, then I think the public start to feel, well, they don't know much, do they? I've had the opportunity now to bid at auctions in America, Australia, in France. Uh, I mean, I had a, not these days, but I had a hell of a time on eBay. I mean, when eBay started, 
because it started just about the time I was working at Sotheby's. And I'm not saying we had lots of free time with the computer, but we had lots of free time <laughs> with the computer. We'd go on eBay. And we never bought anything. But then when I, when I basically left, and I only left with a, um, a month's salary, a month's pay packet, um, and everything was, uh, how should we say this? Everything around the country was sewn up by some London dealers. So I thought, I'm going to, and my sister brought, gave me a computer from her office, huge thing. And I said, what do I want that for? And she said, just move with the times, move with the times, you idiot. So I did. And I started buying on eBay. And I can tell you, it was like stumbling into a cave with golden treasure all around. And all you had to do was bend down and pick it up. <laughs> it was fantastic. I mean, only for a few years, but it was like that. I couldn't not buy something very, very cheaply two or three times a day. Wow. I just, I, you just, you know, I mean, I looked at everything, but you know, I, you know, you buy a Vesta case for 26 quid and I'd go and I'd sell it for £1,400. You'd go and buy a spoon for 100 quid from America. Nobody would charge you any duty. The postman would knock on the door at 7 o'clock and just hand it to you. These were so – that's how long ago <laughs> it was. And, you know, and you'd sell it the next day and it'd be a few hundred pounds. I mean, unfortunately, the money goes. But it, it was wonderful. And I remember all the silver dealers saying to me when I went to a Sunday fair – where, where are you finding this stuff? And I was not coy about it at all. I said, oh, I, I buy it online. And every one of them, though they will swear blind they never said it, and I mean every silver dealer in the country said, I will never, I will never buy anything online without seeing it. <laughs> never. And now, unfortunately, they do. I mean, I, I've sat next to somebody in an auction, big, big successful silver dealer. He's got his laptop on his lap. And he's, you know, he's there in the auction bidding, and he's on three other sales at the same time. Boom, 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 boom. So, I mean, it, it's 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 changed completely, but I don't begrudge it at all. I, you know, it's it's just it's just the way the business changes. It has it evolves, doesn't it? And without giving away any of your trademark secrets, uh, Michael, what's what's the uh, market like for you now? Where are you buying and selling today? Are you utilising the internet to sell or to buy or both? Or Well, I was until my website exploded. <laughs> <and> then, uh... <laughs> no, I don't know what happened with that. And I thought, oh, I'm not having another one. Um, I mean, I hope one day to do a proper fair again. I'd love to do a proper fair. But as you both know, reading the Gazette, proper fairs are falling faster yeah. than, you know, trees trees in a forest. They're, they're just boom, 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 boom. And it's finding the right one to do. Um, I'm really pleased that um, Lapada have sort of saved the NEC, but that won't be until next year because that was a – it was a good fair. I mean, I, I went to that fair as a kid. And I remember going half an hour before it opened, having to walk for 10 minutes to get to the end of the queue. And then when it opened, it would take you 10 to 15 minutes for that queue to clear just to get your foot through the front of the fair. Um, but of course, everything is changing. And, um, you know, I, I occasionally... I occasionally put things into auction, lads. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting things in an auction. We haven't um, paid him, dear listener. Right we haven't yeah, paid him dear, a penny. Yeah, dear listener, it's not, just it's so not an advertising know. revenue for us. 
<laughs> that will come later. You are selling on. Uh, am I right in saying this? That you're now putting a few things on Instagram? Yeah, I mean that that was the point of the videos. I mean, utterly commercial. You know, yeah, let's yeah, not that's... let's not say I'm doing it for altruistic uh, ends. But I've seen all these young kids do it on Instagram. I mean, a lot of them they don't do it anywhere else. They don't have a website. They just go. They go and buy the thing. And by the time they've got back to the car, they filmed it on Instagram and they've sold it. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? It's isn't amazing. Isn't that the dream? Yeah. It is yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say if I film something and it's not for sale, but everything is there. And actually, the first thing I put on, um, you know, sold in 12 hours or something. You know, somebody just said, you know, are those, are those spoons available? I said, yeah, of course they are. And, and it's a nice way to do it. I mean, I may have a website again at some point. I mean, I've got to go into it all, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a pain. But um, and of course, I always I've always historically thrown bits and bobs that come with when you buy a job lot on eBay. But um, that has just become more and more and more difficult. You know, it's almost as if they don't want the business. The glory days are over for that you were describing before. Yeah. It's turned on its head. I mean, I, I know I know really hardworking, greedy dealers that would do anything for a pound, and even they've had enough of it. I mean, people that have bought houses dealing on eBay, that's how well they've done on it. They work much harder than I do. Um, I'll give them their dues, and they're just fed up. They're fed up. Every Everything is made more difficult. So why should they bother? Give it to your local auctioneer, eh, Simon? Absolutely. Give it to your, <laughs> give it to your local auctioneer. You'll do a good job. <laughs> there you have it. The last best of uh, for a little while uh, until one of us goes down with flu or something and we have to uh, use another backup episode. Thanks ever so much for listening. Do, well, you know, it's a bit of a beg this, isn't it? But do like, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word. Five-star reviews are always nice to receive. Send us feedback on thegavelandthegavel at gmail.com or you can contact us via our Instagram, uh, Facebook, where you can see excerpts of videos, uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, because we do um, video all of this. I believe now the new year's in. There's a website coming up. Uh, Somebody told me about that, but I'll check in with producer David. Uh, but there's a website on its way. And thanks very much for your support. We're looking forward to another busy year and talking to loads more interesting people in and around the auction industry. Here's to a great 2024.